This is episode 61 of Generation Red, the Kettle Corn of Husker Fan Podcast, hosted by your favorite father-son duo. I'm Ken. I am Scott. And we will do our best to be sweet and salty, just like Kettle Corn, as we recap the Wisconsin game where Scott and I sat in South Stadium and shivered and shook until the bitterly cold end, hoping against hope that this team would finally figure out how to win a close game in the fourth quarter against a beatable opponent. Of course, it wasn't to be, and it was predictable. You could see the final outcome materi- materializing right before your eyes as early as the thirty or the third quarter. Good Lord. Mm, English. I should try it sometime. Um, <laughs> even though every fortuitous call by the officials or replay seemed to work in the Huskers' favor, still, none of that could overcome an anemic and inept offense, which led to a worn-down defense and, yet again, another devastating loss by... Only one point, as we all saw. Watching the post-game press conferences was brutal. Mickey was down. Uh, he said this one hurt. Boklek was down. He basically said this one hurt. Nelson was down. Thompson was down. And Robinson was down. They all looked utterly sick to their stomach as yet again they gave away another victory by not making the plays needed in key situations. They led up till under a minute to go. Under a minute. 59 minutes the Huskers lent this football game, and they still figured out how to freaking lose. Um, anyway, over the next hour, we're going to look back at it, look at the final stats, choose some outstanding players, and ultimately grade the offense, defense, and special teams. After that, we will quickly look forward to Friday's trip to Iowa City and make our score predictions. Uh, spoiler alert, won't be pretty. Um nope. Just like our current lot as Husker fans, this podcast will not be fun. But a new future in the form of a new head coach is just over that Thanksgiving horizon. I know that was cheesy, but you know me by now. This is what I do. And I truly believe in Trev Alberts. And I know he will find, or maybe he has already found, the right man to come in and cure what ails this team. Which is playing by the rules of really good line of scrimmage i'm sorry i'm sorry that was my own bias i want matt rule um so we were there as i said in the opening scott um it was cold we were in south stadium with the brisk wind blowing directly in our pie holes and it was no freaking fun what did we do what was the trick that we found the move as you so eloquently put it uh, between plays to make sure that we didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> we just like in synchronization would just turn around in between every single play. We would just turn around, let the wind hit us in the back and God willing, there is an actual sunlight on our face. Cause it was partly oh, cloudy. So, mm-hmm. you know, there would be moments where the sun would come out. And so we'd turn around, the wind would be blowing at our back and uh, the sunlight would be shining on our face and it was just a moment of reprieve. And so it was probably by far the most uh, comfort that we had during the game. Aside from secondarily, we did after the student section and section 12 slash 13 basically cleared out the stadium um, <laughs> at halftime. Yeah, uh, We went over and found a different spot, which was still windy, but less windy. Um mm-hmm. And you got a little bit more of a 45 degree angle of the field. And so it was a, it was a good point of view that we switched to. Um, but yeah, those were really the only two moments of comfort. Thank God I brought hand warmers because oh, those yeah, were wonderful. my buddies, they, uh, they didn't bring gloves cause they're, they're silly. Um, and then one of my buddies, he, uh, he only wore a ball cap. I don't understand how his ears didn't just fall off, but. I don't know. I, I get really bad ear infections if my ears are exposed um, to right. a cold wind. So, you know, everybody's built different. So, well, you know, um, I offered him my stocking cap right at the I beginning, know you did. even yeah. before the game started. He goes, Well, maybe I'll need it in the second half. I'm like, This is a one time offer, dude. Right now, I'm feeling generous. Later, maybe not so much. So, yeah. And then once I get comfortable <laughs> with it, <laughs> you got you and Luke ran down to uh, see about getting hot chocolates and use the restroom. I didn't need to yet. I'm like, I really don't want to drag my old ass down these stairs and back up again. So I waited until about two minutes into the third quarter, maybe more after you guys came back and I walked down there and I'm like, screw this. I'm going to stay down here where it's like 20 degrees warmer and watch it on the monitors. And uh, 
by the time I got down there, because Wisconsin had just gotten the ball to open the third quarter. I think maybe we three and outed them the first time they got the ball, and then we did nothing with it, and then we gave it back to them. And as they started that drive at like the 20-yard line, I said, ah, okay, our defense is playing good. I'm going down, took a leak, come back out of the bathroom. By the time I come back on the bath, out of the bathroom and walk over to the concession stand, start watching the monitor, they were already down to the 15. I'm like, what in the living level of hell are we living in right now that all of a sudden they figured out how to run the football on us when they really hadn't been able to do much in the first half. And so there it was, I was looking at it and I go, yeah, I have a feeling I know how this is going to go. It might take till the end of the fourth quarter, but I think I know how this is going to go. And, yep. uh, so I came back up and, uh, you know, we watched it and it happened how it happened and all that good stuff. And, it was just disheartening, heartbreaking. But at the same time, we walked out of there going, yep. Why would this one have been any different from any other game except for the fact that it took until less than a minute left in the fourth quarter for us to figure out how to butt slam ourselves, if you will. Right? Yep. Yep. Well, overall impressions, I think we've kind of covered them, but I think it's worth noting that the for the first time since 2016 Wisconsin did not have a running back that rushed over 200 yards in fact they didn't have a single running back that got more than 100 yards but they still got 230 some yards and obviously that was just enough um was there another was there a specific impression that you wanted to bring up that kind of grabbed your attention from this game uh yeah i would say that like you said, it was kind of just like you waiting for the absolute fit, like catastrophic failure or the implosion to happen. Even though, you know, I would say that from my, in my mental landscape of things, knowing that we don't have Scott Frost as the head coach right now, I still hold on to this idea that I, I held on to this idea up until this moment uh, at this game that, we could find a way to win that maybe he got our guys a different mindset and that they could find a way to, you know, like scratch and claw their way to a win. Um, but that just wasn't the case. And I was sitting there watching the game and I, I kind of just had this feeling that it was that the, the implosion was going to happen, that the implosion was going to happen. Um, and what I, what I saw was that when Wisconsin wanted to do something with their run game, they could throughout the whole game. It mm -hmm. actually surprised me that they ever went away from it. Yeah, they had a few three and outs. Yeah, they they weren't successful with it all the time. But they but stayed I mean, with it. They had an, I mean, they had an average good enough that, I mean. 4.5 a carry. Yeah, that's all you need. That's all you yep. need. And so I was just waiting for them to do what they do. And I mean, God, it took all the way up until the last moment, of course. Um, but they still did it. They still managed to 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 grind out a win. Uh, Wisconsin, of course, is who I'm speaking about. And yeah, going going up to the end of the game, I mean, they had a perfect scheme going on. I, they would run, 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 and then they would do a rollout, and somebody was open. And run, 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 roll out. Somebody was open, and all they needed, they didn't need the whole game. They just needed the last few moments because they knew. I mean, I doubt this was in their game plan. Of course, you want to score as much as humanly possible. There's no coach that would ever sit there and go, you know, let's just wait until the last moment and score. Um, but what they did know was that we couldn't do much, that we were, we were lucky to be successful in offense. Yeah, we had 14 points up on the board and were leading the whole game. But it didn't look like that. Honestly, if you looked at it from just face value, my overall impression was that Wisconsin was hands down the better team, and the stats show it. Um, I actually am surprised that we were even leading at any point during the game because um, Wisconsin looked like they should have scored on multiple on, on multiple possessions. Um, I mean, shoot, you look at it and yeah, they missed a field goal, so that's three points that that they were, you know, that they uh, gave up. And they went down the field again. Let's see. What is up with, what is up with this? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, they went down the field. You know, there were there were there were three times that they could have easily scored touchdowns, um, but they only walked away with a field goal and sometimes they threw an inter- or one time they threw an interception, which was really goofy. That was a bad, a bad decision on their quarterback's part, but yeah, just uh, it was it was just a, a bad game. It was I don't think we deserve to win anyway. If we would have won, I mean, awesome. That's that's awesome. But I mean, the stat line would have still reflected that you know time of possession, yep. the time of possession, um, their first down efficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking at stats real quick, their rushing averages. Everything on the stat board pretty much says that Wisconsin's winning the game throughout the whole game. But absolutely, they basically doubled us up in in yardage, uh, overall yardage, and how we were, how we had fourteen points, other than a Malcolm Hartsog interception and a couple of big time helps from the officials on reviews and whatnot in our second drive that uh, scored. Uh, there's no reason we should have won that game. Um, yeah, but then again, one of, at the same time, the defense played well enough to only give up 15 points in the Big Ten. If you give up 15 points, you should freaking win that game, period, especially against an offense like Wisconsin's, which tends to run a lot of damn yards on you in a running game. They just tend to, and especially against us. And we stuffed that until the last probably seven minutes of the football game. So if not for a crap performance by the offense, most notably, the offensive line, which is kind of my second thing on our on my overall impression, was that the line of scrimmage and strengthening strength and conditioning to me are the greatest needs on this team going forward, going into the new head coach, especially on both sides of the line, but most notably on offense. And we got a question uh, from someone who's watching. Uh, Janice asked us, "How many years will it take to fix?" <laughs> The offensive line, Janice, there's good news. The good news is that if you're Illinois and you hire a head coach who understands how to run a good, strong, mean, nasty offensive line, and he's already got talent in the fold to do it, you can do it. He did it last year to a tune of a five and seven record. He's doing it this year to the tune of going, he's already bowl eligible. What do they have? Eight wins now, seven wins. Um, the good news is it's possible, and I think we have talent on this offensive line. What we have not had since Scott Frost walked into the door, with the exception of Cameron, uh, God, lost his name already. Sorry, what? I was I was our, trying our to figure out this last thing. year. Our center oh, last Cam Jurgens. Cam Jurgens. With the with the exception of Cam Jurgens, we have not seen development on the offensive line. No, for five years. So that's and that was what a tight we end. We need a, a def- an offensive line coach to come in here who understands how to get after these guys and teach them how to be nasty. Bryce Benhart was nasty in high school. I've seen the film. Turner Corcoran was nasty in high school. I've seen the film. Where the hell did the nasty nastiness go? Well, if you can't bend like you need to bend and you're just powerlifting all damn day long, you lose a little bit of that athleticism that gives you the ability to be to be nasty. Janice, I think it's a quick fix. You get the right guy in here with the head coach, I think it's a fairly quick fix. Maybe not next year, but the year after, I think you'll see a significant jump with these players, and I think they're targeting some pretty nasty, mean guys that may not be as tall as Ben Hart and Corcoran that are going to come in here uh, from maybe the JUCO and, and uh, transfer portal uh side of things and come in and perhaps make a difference. They got to get the right coach though. Greg Austin wasn't it. And damn sure did. I feel bad for Donnie Raiola because he came into an absolute crap show on offensive line, just came into a crap field, doesn't know what to do with it. And I don't think Zach Duvall and the strength conditioning has helped him out any. So I'm sorry. I I know I stepped on you a little bit. You had something to say, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to, I'll just, turn this around and go some in complete, completely different other direction. But since we went on to that, um, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I was going to say seven points that Nebraska scored. We shouldn't have even scored. The only reason why we did was because we got insanely good field, uh, field position from that interception. So offensively speaking, aside from one series that we went 79 yards down the field in some weird way, um, <laughs> yeah, it, 
our offense was basically a non-factor and I'll, I'll tie it in with our offensive line and, and kind of comment uh, on that. Cause I do want to comment on that. Do I think it's a quick fix? Yes, I, I, I really do. I think that if we get the right coach, we could see a jump of some form or another in one year. I mean, yeah. you, we've seen a jump in our wide receiver room. I mean, we had basically non-existent wide receivers for the last four years, and we get Mickey Joseph in here for one season, and now we've got studs all over the dang field. We just haven't been able to get the balls to him as much as we would want or as consistently as we'd want. But, I mean, that was a one-year turnaround, and I'm really excited, God willing, Mickey Joseph stays around to see what what we can uh, do next year, especially with a a guy like the coldest Crawford and uh, Marcus Washington coming back and – um, just a few other studs along the offense that that can that can play a good part. But I mean, first and foremost, yeah, we've got to get our offensive line sorted out in some way, shape, or form. And yeah. I think I think my dad is uh, I think dad is on a on a really really uh, reasonable path to success. What he described is you you'll see you know a little bit of a tangible difference next year if we get the right hire, and then by year two or three we should be competing and look comparable to the rest of the conference, at least average in the conference. Um, I would, I would hope for above average. And then by year three, I mean, we need to be be competing for the West. Yes. We should be competing for the West. We should have the, we should always strive with our program and the illustrious history behind it. We shouldn't settle for anything less than top five across the board. We need to have a Mm -hmm. top five offense. We need to have a top five defense and, Mm-hmm. You know, just sprinkle in a little bit of of special teams if we get a top five special teams unit. I mean, that's competing year in, year out for the West. Mm-hmm. We're always mm-hmm. finishing first or second in the West or third or whatever, depending on what the situation at uh, Wisconsin ends up being with uh, if, if uh, uh, right. oh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. It's not. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Oh, it's it just lost me. It's got an, an IE in it. Um, their interim, whoever their interim coach is, if he ends up getting, if he ends up getting the getting the job, oh, Leonard, awesome. Jim Leonard, Leonard, Leonard yeah, it's yes, not an IE, yeah, it's EO. <laughs> okay, Lee yeah, and Hart, I was like, as uh, Big Kurt likes to say on the eyes on Big. Yeah, so <laughs> I think I think there can be a quick turnaround. I I don't know what that looks like, but. For damn certain, it needs to be in our trenches, well, and that's it. Here's here's the thing that needs to change starting next year, whether we get to a bowl game or not. Whenever our quarterback, whoever the hell that's going to be next year, I'm not confident it's going to be Casey because I have a feeling we're going to a more RPO system, and we know he doesn't like to run the ball, even though he yep. was our leading rusher yesterday. Because why? Because every time he handed the ball off to Anthony Grant, there was a dude with a W on his freaking helmet standing there in the backfield waiting to tackle him, and Grant had to make a move before he ever hit the line of scrimmage just to gain anything. So first and foremost, that has to change on line of scrimmage, whether that's communication, technique, or strength and conditioning. I don't care. Somebody needs to come in and figure that out because I was sick and freaking tired of seeing a dude with a white jersey on ready to tackle Grant as soon as he got the football. Um, and then we need to make sure that every time they, somebody that we're playing hands the football off, that they're getting contacted at the line of scrimmage or behind, or we're the guy that's standing there making it make a move in the backfield. Cause I'm sick and tired of seeing our defensive line get pushed around, especially the last half of the game, because they can't get off blocks. Even when they were fresh early in the game, they weren't really getting off blocks all that well, unless they really diagnosed and guessed the play. Then they did pretty good. Um, but for the most part, uh, every time Wisconsin handed the ball off, uh, they were pushing us backwards. It is, I'm surprised they didn't do better rushing the football in the first half. Uh, it was the second half where it really mattered, but that's, that's the formula that used to win for Nebraska. It didn't really look good for the first half in some of the tougher games, but then the second half we wore people down. Uh, and my third impression was that overall the defense played well enough to win, but the offense played like hammered cow crap. Now, what I mean by that is if you've ever hit a giant patty of fresh cow crap with a hammer, it splatters over everything, <laughs> including the defense. And that's exactly exactly what happened. So 
I think for the sake of uh, not getting too much further depressed, other than the fact that we have to go over the stats yet, let's move on to the stats. Because <sighs> as a responsible podcast, that's what we have to do. Nebraska, how the hell did we get 12 first downs? Because we did. We got 12 first downs against that defense, which middle of the road in the Big Ten, but that's kind of what we should do against the middle of the road uh, Big Ten defense. But they had 21. We were 8 of 15 on third down. And this is what's interesting, Scott, looking at these stats, if you've, you know, you've looked over the outline as well. Eight stats. We were better on four of them. They were better on four of them. And that probably explains why we lost by one point, because we didn't dominate more than half of the stats. Um, they were five for 11 on third down. So we were really good on defense until the end of the game. Um <clears throat> On third down, 171 total yards for Nebraska. I think that's our lowest yardage output of the year. Weather might have something to do with it, but guess what? Um, Wisconsin had to deal with the same weather, and they managed to put out 318. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nebraska did have the edge in passing, 12 of 20 for 106 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, whereas Mertz was 8 of 18 for 83 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and if I remember right, that touchdown resulted in the receiver getting ejected from the game for celebrating too long. Freaked me out. That was a little weird. I'm like, yeah, he didn't have another unsportsmanlike in the game. How the hell did he get kicked out? But he did, which good. I'm glad. Shouldn't show, but I think much, I think what it was was it was back to back. Not only was it excessive celebration, but then I think he cussed out the uh the ref. Oh, oh so it okay. was it was back to back. So it was like. It was just consecutive, well, that makes I sense think. Then, because I was so frozen, I couldn't really hear what he said at the end there. Um, yeah, and I, I didn't know what it was until I saw it later on Twitter, I think, okay. where I saw it, either that or Facebook. But then again, I don't know. It was just a comment or a, a comment in passing. So Right. But that, well, that we, makes sense we, to me. Yep. As we said earlier uh, and mentioned earlier when we were talking about the rushing game, Uh, For Wisconsin, they averaged four and a half yards per carry, which is about typical for what Nebraska has given up all season long. Uh, And that was on 52 rushes for 235 yards, whereas Nebraska tried to run the ball 29 times, which was 29 to 20 on passes. So, hey, say what you want about Whipple. He committed to the run for more so than he did the pass, probably because he had to with 30 mile an hour wins whipping through the stadium. If they were 25 mile an hour wins, you could reverse that number. 29 passes, 20 runs. Um, <laughs> for a paltry 65 yards, 2.2 per carry. Uh, we were two of fi- two penalties for 15 yards. They had five for 50. We had no turnovers. They only had, they had one. And the key to the entire game was the fact that they possessed the ball for almost 37 minutes while Nebraska possessed it for just over 23. And ultimately, I think that's what did the defense in. The fact that they had to be out there for almost a full quarter longer uh, than the offense. So we're tired of saying it, but we've been saying it all year. um, I wouldn't expect anything else. One of the things that that you pointed out is that somehow we had four, you know, it was like we had four categories that we did better in and they had four. And, And one of the things that I'm looking at right here that's really interesting to me is that we were eight of fifteen on third down, eight of thir- eight of fifteen on third down, but we have twelve first downs. And what that tells me is that eight of the twelve first downs, so two two thirds of all of our first downs were by necessity on a third down. And yeah. then you look at theirs, and it's only a quarter because mm-hmm. five of their first downs were on third down. And then, yeah, and then you look at all the other stats and pretty much even though... they got a lot of first downs on second down or on the first play of a drive, especially in the second half because they were way behind us on first downs in the second half. So, And then uh, you look at our... And it's like, yeah, we did better in passing, kind of. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, yes, we did. We did better in passing, but from my impression of the game, their completed passes were in crucial moments. Like I said, the swing pass consequential um, or not swing passes. There's those rollouts, those rollouts Rollouts. that they were doing, they were way more consequential. So, I mean, you could look at all of the stat lines and you pretty much can, can chalk off all of ours. The only one that, that we really did good in was the fact that we didn't turn over the ball, which, 
honestly, going into this game with how cold it was and how windy it was, I I expected it to happen and never did. So that's the one thing yeah. I'll hang my hat on. We did not turn the ball over and we managed exactly. to generate a mm-hmm. turnover. So mm-hmm. that's what I'll the hang my hat on. The team took good care of the ball. The team took exactly. good care of the ball and uh, and they should be commended for that. Um, so we've looked at yep. the stats. We've kind of looked at the game as a whole. Let's take a look at a couple of guys that made some differences in the game. I think um, for me, the game breaker of the week, I know Trey Palmer had a bunch, a few catches for 47 yards, two of them for touchdowns. That was important, but I think getting Casey Thompson back made a difference. I don't know if Nebraska scores more than three points in this game if he's not starting. So for me, Casey Thompson's the game breaker of the week. He was our leading rusher for 11 carries for 33 yards, so he had three yards of carry which is better than Grant, which is weird. <laughs> uh, thanks, offensive line. Um, most of those on scrambles, too, by the way. Uh, and he was 12 of 20 for 106 yards, two touchdowns, no intersection interceptions. So that is my game breaker of the week. I'm guessing that's yours as well? No, actually, I am going to go with Trey Palmer. Um, okay. I'm going with Trey Palmer just because if it weren't for him, I mean, yes, in theory, Thompson could have found somebody in the end zone, but what better guy to get open and and make those crucial red zone touchdowns quite mm-hmm. like a Trey Palmer. Um, so without, in my mind, I think without Trey Palmer, our, our odds of scoring 14 points diminishes significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but to give uh, credence to what you said, I do agree. I think that had we not gotten Thompson back and had played Purdy or Smothers, I think I think we don't even score. I think it's one of those weird low scoring games that Wisconsin wins like fourteen to nothing or something like that, or but, fourteen to six or something because Bleak Road was yeah. able to sneak a couple through. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get you. Yeah. I so Trey you. Palmer, I picked Trey Palmer just because, I mean, I'm glad that he was finally, even though it, it, he only got 47 yards, I mean, it was nice to see the dude get some productivity again after three weeks of basically being a non-factor. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's that's my game breaker of the week. All right. How about your game wrecker? Who on defense do you think made the biggest impact in the game? I know who mine is. Oh, I think, I think we could probably both uh, – we're both probably going to have the same guy and that would be Ernest Hausman. Um, dude is just becoming a man before eyes. I know we said that last week, but dude is just looking good. He was all over the damn field. Um, you know, not to discredit Luke Reimer, Garrett Nelson. Um, cause those guys, I saw them running around all over the place and credit, you know, I'll say honorary mention is Garrett Nelson. Dude was like injured for like a good quarter and a half there at the end of the game. Yeah, he, he was just, limping around a lot just, between snaps. Yep. He just kept saying, coach, put me in, coach, put me in, and yep. they kept putting him in. So I'll give uh, honorary mention to Garrett Nelson, but, I mean, Hausman, God, what a guy. I'm so glad that he is uh, – he's kind can't of – Can't wait uh, to see what he becomes if he sticks around. I yeah. think he will because he's a Nebraska kid, but can't wait to see what he yeah, – had. that's my game record too. 12 tackles, 10 of them solo. Didn't have any tackles for loss or necessarily. I thought he had a pass defended, but it's it didn't show up in the stats. Um, and as you said, Garrett Nelson, honorable mention. Also, Colton Feast. Both of those guys ended up with 10 tackles on the day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, that defense was pretty good, especially up front until the end. And uh, Hausman, I think he's going to be a guy that's pretty steady Eddie for uh, double-digit tackles every game he plays in starting next year. I really do. I think he's just, he's got instincts, he's got speed. And when he hits somebody, they don't keep going forward. They go sideways or backwards. I love that. We haven't seen that since Levante David uh, and guys like that were here. Even Barrett Rude back in the day. I mean, if he hit you, you were going sideways or backwards. End of story Um, at the linebacker level. So love that kid. Hope he keeps getting better. Um, Definitely our game record of the week. Why don't we move on and take a look at how we rate this team on offense, defense, and special teams. We do this on a 0 to 10 scale, folks. We don't do letter grades here. We don't grade on a curve (laughs) other than taking a look at certain aspects of the offense, defense, and special teams to kind of come up with our overall grade. You go ahead, Scott. Uh, Where do you rate the offense? I rate the offense as a 1. I understand the context, the wind. yeah, the wind, the the weather, all that. I, I understand that. But, I mean, if you were to com- 
the, the, the reason why I give it a one is because obviously Wisconsin was able to get 300 plus yards in the same weather because they were able to have a game plan that was reliable in this weather format, which is running the ball. And mm-hmm. we were a non-factor in that, in that sense. And so the fact that we in the big 10 in Nebraska, knowing what we have to deal with going into the month of November are not prepared to do that. That's a one in my book across the board. I don't care if we get two touchdowns. I don't care if we manage to scrounge up, you know, some productivity here and some productivity there. I think it's just an all out fail that we weren't able to do what we were supposed to do in the context that we were given. So I give our offense a one. Early. I will throw out my uh, score on the offense and the defense and I'll hand it back to you. I've got the offense at a two. Um, I gave it a two because Trey Palmer showed up and made catches when he needed to make catches, unlike last week when he had many opportunities to affect the game and he didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But because he did and because he was really the only guy that really affected the game and ultimately the score made those touchdown catches, both of them were not easy. Uh, Well, the second one was he was kind of wide open, but still cold as hell. Made the made the catch. Um, Trey Palmer is the reason I give the offensive two. Uh, the to me the offensive line was like an F or a zero. <laughs> Quarterback was maybe a one, maybe a two. I don't know. It just and then the rushing game was just god awful. So a two on the offense. I gave the defense an eight um, because for three and a half quarters, for the most part, that defense did its job. If you're only giving up 318 yards to a Wisconsin football team in the dead cold of November, that should be good enough to win you a football game. They did what Nebraska needed the defense to do to win yesterday because if we knew what the hell we were doing on offense, if we had a way to scheme up, a way to get Anthony Grant some yards, I think Wisconsin has the ball for 37 minutes. And I damn sure don't think uh, they rush it for 235 yards. I think we do if we have any kind of schematic set up to be able to make that happen. But every time Anthony Grant gets the ball, he's got somebody in his face that he has to avoid. I I just, offense is a two, defense is an eight, even though they gave it up at the end. But it still took until 35 seconds left in the fourth quarter for that defense to give up the lead, which sucks. But I give them a little bit of credit for that, mm-hmm. that they held up that long uh, in that cold with their best player on defense, arguably and Garrett Nelson basically walking around on one leg until the ball was snapped. Then he was the same old Garrett Nelson. Got to love that guy. Um, how about special teams? Where do you have the special teams? Well, I got to rate the defense first. Um, oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're good. Um, so I gave the defense an eight as well. And for many of the same reasons you do, um, the only thing I'll expand on is just the fact that they would have easily been a 10 except for two drives. Cause I mean, we had, we had Wisconsin's number for the entire game. Granted, I know I did say earlier, it looked like Wisconsin had a game plan that if they would have just stuck to it the whole game, I think that they're, I think they would have scored more on us. Um, but whatever, you know, and, and, <laughs> In retrospect, we stopped them. That's exactly what we did. We stopped them. They went down on a 10-play, 75-yard, five-minute drive for their first touchdown of the game. And then uh, two series later, um, they go seven plays, 50 yards for a a two-and-a-half-minute drive um, Mm -hmm. for their game-winning touchdown drive. Um, Aside from that, those two Mm. two aspects, yeah, you're right. They played lights out. so that's why I give them I give them an eight, because um, yeah, mm-hmm. like you said, you don't do that against Wisconsin. You don't do that against Wisconsin in November very easily. So no, um, and I give the special teams an eight as well because there wasn't any mishaps. I mean, in this wind, in this weather, uh, you know, it's just it's just a a recipe for disaster. Um, there wasn't anything on our punt return unit that, that made me question anything. There wasn't anything on our, on our punt and within our punt unit field goals. Well, I didn't, we didn't go for any field goals, but, uh, you know, extra points, all those things we did, we did a good job. Um, 
was there a little bit left to be desired? Like I said last week in the sense that like, Oh yeah, could we just take one back to the house? That'd be great. Um, and so honestly, until we get like a punt return or a kickoff return for a touchdown, I don't think our special teams goes above an eight unless for some reason we get like an Alex Henry 57 yard game winning field goal. Um, <laughs> I'll give them a nine if that's the case, but uh, yeah. So I, I, I give special teams an eight. And so across the board, I'll just finish up and give my overall rating and that gives them a 5.7. So just above average, I suppose. Yep. We're in the same boat uh, because I started out with the offense at a two and a defense at an eight. I gave the special teams a seven. Uh, namely, I would have given it an eight. I really would have. I would have given it an eight if it weren't for the fact that Tommy Hill decided to return that final kickoff when he could have waved fair catch, caught it, not get taken any time off the clock, and we would have got the ball at the 25 instead of the 20. 75 mm-hmm. yards to go to score a touchdown or to get within bleak roads range of kicking a field goal um, was much easier to do from the 25 as opposed to the 20. That's and it wouldn't point. have taken seven or eight seconds off the damn clock, which he did. Thinking he could break something, play in hero ball or whatever. I don't know if that's what he was thinking. Uh, being aggressive, I appreciate it. But at the same time, there's a time and a place to be aggressive. With 40-some seconds left on the clock, that's not the time unless it's so wide open you can go for 30 yards. Um, and obviously against Wisconsin, 30-yard returns ain't freaking happening. It's just not going to happen. So wave the fair catch, put your team on the 25-yard line, help your team out. He didn't. Everything else was great. Um, what was it, 74 punt, 74-yard punt by Bushini? I mean, yeah. Brian Boom Boom Bushini was not afraid to uncork him when he needed to, especially when he had the wind. And uh, wow, um, God, I'm glad we had him. Can we please, for the love of all things holy, find out how to give that guy another year of eligibility? Yeah, <laughs> that would be really cool. Uh. I have no freaking clue what we're going to do next year at punter without that guy. Um, but uh, he reminds me of Sam Coke or, yep. or not, uh, not Sam Coke, but uh, Sam Fultz. Sam Fultz. Yeah. Fultz could boom him when he needed to, and he can pin people deep when he needed to. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? There were a couple of kicks that Bushini made were made the punter for Wisconsin bobble. Um, yep. And we were so close to be able to get to those balls, uh, which could have made a big difference that. in the game. Um, Never goes our way in that regard. Nope. It doesn't, and that's why I had to downgrade it by a point because nobody was there to make a difference. Whether that's coaching or not, I don't know, but it just seems like, God, our luck just sucks. So I have to, <laughs> I guess I deducted a point on special teams for uh, for um, our kick return guy not uh, waving for a fair catch at the end of the game and for the fact that we're just not there lucky. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so... That pretty much wraps up the Wisconsin game. Thank God. Thank God. I mean, yep. God dang it. I'm proud of those kids. They fought every single step of the way, and you could see it in their faces of the guys that were in the press conference, that they were just sick to their stomachs because they played so well for 59 and almost uh, almost 60 minutes, but it wasn't enough. just wasn't enough. So because it wasn't enough, how much enough do you think Nebraska is going to do against Iowa? I know you've got some stats in front of you that uh, take a look at what Iowa has done so far this year. They've suddenly discovered an offense, as we were talking about, on our way out of the stadium yesterday, which scares the living daylights out of me, especially on the road. That's usually good for three and a half points. We're a five-point underdog, I think, last I looked. Um, anyway, what do you have up there uh, as far as the comparison between Iowa and Nebraska in some statistical categories. Yeah, we are a 10 point underdog or 9.5, I should say. Sure. Already. Um, Great. Yeah. Yeah. And the over <laughs> under is 37. So uh, low scoring game. I think uh, I would take the under to be honest with you. Oh yeah. I think, I think it's I think pretty good to piss off Petrus all day long. So I hope um, so. But looking at it, looking at it, uh, I'm just going from the Big Ten because we just didn't we just didn't take the time to do national ratings. Um, right. And it's at it's at the end of the season, so really all you care about is your conference comparisons. We can go over 
overall national ratings at the end of the season and, and really sulk in our misery there. But um, yeah, Iowa's defense has been the highlight of their consistent highlight, the consistent highlight of their team throughout this whole season. Uh, they are the third ranked total defense in the Big Ten, whereas Nebraska is 13th. And then uh, total offense, Nebraska is 10th and Iowa's dead last. So even with Iowa somehow scrounging up somewhat of a proficient offense in the last three, four weeks, they are still bottom of the barrel and by a significant margin because – I mean, 13th is Rutgers, and they have almost 300 yards average per game, right. and Iowa's dead mm-hmm. last at only 250. So uh, that's that's an interesting comparison. Rushing offense, one of those things that you would expect Iowa to be good at because even with Wisconsin having an interim head coach, uh, I mean, they're still fifth or they're still sixth in the conference with their rushing offense, and Iowa is mm-hmm. once again dead last. They don't even break 100 yards a game average in the rushing offense, whereas mm-hmm. Nebraska were ninth. Somehow we – I mean, I guess that the stats are a little bit padded with that first half of the season, Anthony Grant performance. Um, we're ninth. And then, yeah, scoring offense – Iowa's 13th, Nebraska's 11th, so we're kind of bottom of the barrel. We share the bottom bottom third of the conference there. Um, and Iowa is, as expected, dead last in their passing offense. Um, and Nebraska's 7th. Once again, I think that that stat is a little bit padded with the first half of the season um, and with Trey Palmer's kind of breakout first half of the season, but it's been a non-factor for the second half, so I think that there's a little bit of nuance I the the most interesting thing that I find with the stats, which I, you don't necessarily find them in the stats unless you dig on a week to week basis, which I didn't do. I suspect that Nebraska's offense is trending downwards, whereas Iowa's defense is trending upwards. Iowa's defense is staying about the same; they've been consistently good all year, and Nebraska's defense is trending upwards. So it's it kind of balances itself out. Um, but ultimately really what, what, when it gets down to brass tacks and we start to go into our predictions of this game, I don't know, dad, what do you think? What do you think with this final game of the year against our betrothed, you know, rivals, the state of the sucky corn, but they are (laughs) now, they are now basically their destiny is ahead of them. Uh, they're, they're going to probably compete in the Big Ten uh, championship game against either Ohio State or Michigan. Um, what do you, What do you think? What do you think about this game? Because I'm not very positive about it for good reason. <sighs> I think it's going to be what? 2014 was the last time we beat them. I think yeah. it's the eight loss in a row. Um. Peters has suddenly decided that he wants to be a quarterback. Uh, that Iowa Iowa defense just stayed the course, played as hard as they could possibly play, played as well as they could possibly play, with the exception of what uh, Ohio State and a couple of other games early in the year. They had some issues, but when it really mattered, they bowed up. I mean, there's no reason on the face of the planet they should have lost nine to six to to Illinois. No reason, but they did. Um, and, you know, as the cards have fallen, Iowa, if they beat us or when they beat us on Friday, I, sorry, folks, I just can't be too positive about this. Um, we'll be in Indianapolis again, probably playing Ohio state or Michigan. No idea which one. Cause I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen that game because I'm still not completely convinced that Ohio State wants to play a physical football game against Michigan, uh, who wants to run the damn football. I'm just not convinced yet. Because um, they had a tussle yesterday. Who'd they play? Illinois. Wasn't it Illinois yesterday? Um, yeah. They had a tussle. Took a, took till the fourth quarter to win that game. Um, so I'm not sure <clears throat> if that, if that uh, Ohio State offense can... Uh, be as physical as Michigan is. So 
We'll see. I think Michigan had a good test on Saturday, and that's going to prepare them for this game. And I don't think they're going to face nearly as physical a defense as they did on Saturday. So, um, good heavens. I just don't understand why I feel so negative about this, but I do. 20 to 6, I think Iowa wins this game. That's fair. That's fair. Honestly, I, I I really think it. Once again, I think it depends on the weather. If it's cold, that's fine. If it's if it's cold and windy, like fifteen to twenty mile an hour winds again, um, yeah, I don't I don't see any reason why we score yeah. a touchdown because Iowa's defense is. Well, let me go back to that. Uh, freaking always mess this up. Yeah, Iowa's defense is better, way better than Wisconsin's defense with the yardage allowed per game. Well, I want to say it's way better. They allow around 20 less yards a game um, total offense. Uh, it, it it sucks. It really does. Um, yeah. Let me let me look really quick because um, I know they've got a, a weather report but that doesn't say wind, whatever. I'm just going to assume there's wind. Let's just assume there's wind in Iowa city. <laughs> um, I think that, I think that Iowa, yeah, they've somehow Petrus has found a way to be a serviceable quarterback and they have been able to consistently rely on their offense to put points up on the board. Um, they won a last, last, I want to say last second, but with 28 seconds left in the game against their rival Minnesota, they got a basically a walk off field goal to win 13 to 10. Uh, they put 24 points up on Wisconsin, where Wisconsin was only able to put up 10 points on them. They almost shut out Purdue, which Purdue walked up and down the field on us. Somehow scored 24 points against Purdue, and I mean they did good against uh, Northwestern, but. Of course, the only win was, uh, Northwestern has thus far of the season is against Nebraska and Ireland. So that doesn't look good. Um, yeah, I I don't know. If, if there's wind, I don't see any reason why we scored more than seven, seven, nine, six, whatever points. I don't see us scoring much. If there is no wind and, and Casey Thompson is able to at least chuck the ball around the field, um a little bit that would be nice um but i just i just don't know let me see what is what is iowa's oh look at that iowa is number two in the big 10 for passing defense so that probably isn't going to bode well in our favor anyway um yeah i would say that if i were to make a a score prediction i think it's going to be almost identical to what we saw with Wisconsin minus a touchdown for Nebraska. I think that Iowa wins an absolute grinder 13 to seven. That's, and I'm going way under the over under I'm going 13 to seven Iowa. Um, somehow we go down the field and we score a touchdown once probably at the beginning of the game. And then Iowa locks us down because we somehow have a good script, but, I mean, Sounds not so good. much against Wisconsin, but I mean, whatever. Doesn't sound good, but it is what it is. Um, so yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. I have us losing twenty to six. Scott has us losing thirteen to seven. To follow us on social media, go to genredpod.com and click on the links at the top of the page. Scott, I know you've got a Twitter handle and I keep forgetting to ask you about it. How can folks follow you? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Scott Jen Red Pod, all one statement, I guess, at Scott Jen Red Pod. You can find me on Facebook, um, Scott McCone. You can follow me there if you want. Add me as a friend. Um, send me a DM, though, so that I'm not just getting a random friend request. I will immediately uh, deny it. Um, exactly. Let folks know. Let let him know where he heard about you. <laughs> yes, Exactly. So yeah, you can follow me there. Um, I just basically uh, just tweet about random things, um, sports related, <laughs> no politics. So you don't have to worry about that. Nope. Um, no politics on Gen Red Pod either. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
So make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel for all of our past content and then ring that bell so you don't miss any future stuff like tomorrow, which I'll get to here in a minute. Uh, also, please like this video too. It helps to get this stream out to more Husker fans. The audio version of the show is available for download on your favorite podcast app. Please search for Generation Red, subscribe, and then take just a couple minutes and leave us a rating and a review. It helps folks find our show out there in the podcast world as well. We are pre-recording two special episodes after we finish up right here. One of them will be hosted by the Husker Army podcast and will drop on their YouTube channel early next week. And will it will also stream on our channel right here at 5.30 tomorrow night. We will be joined by panelists from Husker, other, other Husker fan podcasts to discuss the pros and cons of hiring Mickey Joseph as our head coach. The audio show will post to our feed at 8 a.m. on Tuesday morning, and as well, it will be on the Husker Army's podcast feed as well. So make sure you're subscribed to those guys. Uh, the second special episode will feature the same panelists and be hosted by us, and that will be at 6 o'clock tonight, which is going to be pre-recorded, and then we're going to discuss our top three coaching candidates not named Mickey Joseph, and that will stream Tuesday night at 5.30 on our YouTube channel with the audio show dropping Wednesday morning at eight. We plan to participate in the live chat as both of these special episodes stream on our channel. So make sure you jump in and interact with us as we watch it all together. So thanks so much for watching or listening today. We truly, truly appreciate it. He is my son, Scott, and whom I am well pleased. And I am his dad, Ken, and together we are not just Generation Red. Most importantly, we're family. And our goal every week is to remind ourselves and you that there is absolutely no place like Nebraska. I was corn especially sucks this week of all weeks <laughs> and go big red, but they're not a rival. See yes, you next they time. Are. <laughs>